1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Candlestick Chronicles. My name is Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. With me again, it's Kyle Madsen of Niners Wire of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Kyle, I was on your radio show today, and I haven't asked you how I did as a special guest. Can you give me a a rating, a review, please?
2: Really strong. Like, uh, we really appreciate when guests, like, go along with a bit, and they're willing to, like, laugh and open up a little bit. And, and so that was good. I would say it was a solid like eight and a half out of 10. It would have been a 10 had you brought your own bits to the table.
1: Yeah, it was a little early in the morning. It was an 8 a.m. hit. And I had done a, uh, a 7 a.m. hit for like a mock draft of like a writer's roundtable mock draft. I think it was in Jacksonville. I, I sure. should remember this. Um, it was one of those things where I just sort of agreed to it in passing. And then all of a sudden my phone's ringing at 7 in the morning. Sure. Um, so you're my second hit of the day, but I think you were significantly your your hit was significantly better. Um it is draft yeah, We enjoyed it. It was a good time. It is draft week. And the draft, draft is in two days. And we're finally gonna know which player of the 49ers are gonna pick second overall if they end up picking second overall. And John Lynch talked a little bit about that if uh yesterday during his pre-draft availability with reporters. Um, but we're finally here like the weeks and months it feels like the combine was like legitimately two years ago it is crazy how it, much time right
2: it feels like it was so far
1: away the, it's it's insane what the nfl has done with the schedule by by having this much build up for the draft but we're finally here uh so we can stop theorizing and hypothesizing uh this time next week we will know exactly which players the 49ers drafted, which undrafted rookies the team brought in. And then we could actually talk about brass tacks and getting down to football. And but today we're going to do a little bit of a mock draft. We're gonna have we're we you and I are Kyle are gonna go back and forth with a four-round mock. Uh, we're not gonna do the full seven rounds because I think we're both humble enough to admit we haven't been grinding tape on the uh, late round prospects. Like maybe some. Hey man, speak for yourself. <laughs> I haven't been. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're just, we're just going to go back and forth with uh, a four round mock. We both did a, um, a simulation on the draft networks, pretty handy mock draft tool. So we'll have that, uh, for you guys a little bit later in this episode. But before that, there's a little bit of news. Um, and it's kind of important news because it involves the 49ers franchise player so we're recording this tuesday afternoon the draft is obviously two days away uh robbie gold has asked for a trade and he did it publicly i assume he did to the 49ers but he also did it to espn's adam schefter uh and his agent brian mackler basically said that gold is tired of of having contract discussions. that's spanned over the last 14 months. Um, he clearly wants to be closer to his family who has lived in Chicago while he's been in a hotel uh, these last two years with the 49ers. And the franchise tag would have made him the second highest paid kicker in the NFL, just behind Baltimore's Justin Tucker. But Gold wants to be closer to his family. And, and that's certainly understandable. What What, what are your thoughts on, on the 49ers options here? Because it seems like Gold doesn't have a whole lot of leverage, even if he wants to sit out the entire offseason program and training camp. Um, his agent said he, he he will show up for the game in Tampa Bay week one um, if he's still on the roster. But that's a big if at this point. And uh, so so what were your thoughts when when you saw that Robbie Gold was holding out?
2: It, it's, it's been kind of a disaster for the 49ers on a special teams front this offseason, right? Um, I mean, I think they were planning on letting Bradley Pinion walk. But they currently have Justin Vogel on the roster, who has, uh, I think, one year of experience in 2017. And then Jonathan Brown, a uh, free agent kicker who has never kicked in a regular season game, is, is the other kicker on the roster besides gold. So if they are trading gold, or if they do work out a trade for him, um, they're going to have to do something uh, on the kicker front, whether it's it's drafting one or or uh, trying a few out in free agency. Uh, he's just been such an integral part of the little bit of success that they've had that it's very very tough to see it come to this. And you just hope I I think the best case now is you hope that some sort of trade market develops for him where they're getting something more than like a 2027th 20, 20, round pick for him.
1: Yeah, I mean if I'm the 49ers, I'm honestly probably just holding tight. I'm saying, look, you're under contract, we're paying you 5 million dollars Uh, You signed here for two years in 2017, and with signing anywhere, if you perform to a certain expectation, the franchise tag is a realistic possibility. Um, I I can't speak to Robbie Gold's family situation. I'm sure, obviously, that's very important to him, but this is a reality in the NFL. You can be given the franchise tag, and you could be halfway across the country from your family, and the trade-off is getting that fully guaranteed $5 million, I will say, Looking at um, just a brief list of, of some of the draft eligible kickers and punters, you mentioned Bradley Pinion, um, Jake Bailey from Stanford is is a is a punter who who can handle kickoffs as well, who a lot of people have talked about uh, would make sense for the 49ers uh, at punter, but but there also it also looks like there are two draftable kickers in this class. There's Matthew Gay of Utah and Cole Tracy of LSU, and then eight more guys who are probably gonna end up being priority free agents. So I think what the 49ers are gonna do here is probably sit tight, hold on to gold, and then really just hit the priority free agent market and maybe offer some of these guys the max allotment that they can allow to undrafted free agents. So we might see somebody like Austin Siebert from Oklahoma or John Barron the second from San Diego State or Justin Yoon from Notre Dame, a player like that get brought in. And and we see it a lot. I think there's a there's a very significant portion of of kickers in the NFL who didn't get drafted and were just signed as undrafted free agents. And then, you know, if they really need to, Phil Dawson's a free agent. I know he's 44 years old, but he's obviously very familiar with Levi's Stadium. And, and if he has the the leg strength still at that age, he would be somebody I'm sure the 49ers were, would consider. Um, he was mentioned in Eric Branch's story today the Chronicle, friend of the pod. Um and also I think Matt Bryant the kicker who was with the Falcons when Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator there is also on the free agent market.
2: So we'll see. They did I uh, think I think they resigned him. Did Burns. they
1: resign him? Okay. Well, yeah. so either way I think the 49ers they have leverage here. They don't have to trade Gold if Gold wants to stay away from the team and and report week 1 I think it's, it's obviously not an ideal scenario, but uh, I think it's something that they would live with just given how good gold has been the last couple of years. But gold has also been in the building the last couple of years. He's been a regular at the team's facility and all that. And it seems like he's not interested in doing that this offseason. So it's definitely interesting because gold was so good. And he, he's made such a high volume of kicks at such a quality rate. Um, and, you know, in an ideal world, like any NFL team, your kicker wouldn't, really need to be a story but as we saw with the Browns or sorry the Bears in the playoffs last year with what happened with Cody Parkey that um, kickers can be very important so I think the 49ers they want to contend for a playoff spot this year obviously and they don't want that to hinge on the leg of a of an untested kicker which is why they brought they gave gold to franchise tag so that's obviously a concern but I do think there are other options Um, if this is going to be difficult for them, you know, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be totally concerned because teams bring in undrafted rookie kickers all the time. The thing is the 49ers have been known for getting veteran kickers and they, they really trust veteran guys. So it would be kind of a departure to go for a rookie guy, but I mean, it's just, it might just be something that they have to do and we'll see how this plays out. Maybe gold has a change of heart. Maybe the team's totally fine with him showing up week one and just going from there. Um, but it is a little bit interesting. Do um, you have any more thoughts on on Robbie Gold before we move on?
2: No, I think um, no, I think we covered it.
1: Okay, so John Lynch spoke in the John McVay draft room yesterday, and there wasn't a whole lot to be taken away from it. It was about a thirty five minute press conference, um, and he talked a lot about Nick Bosa and Queen and Williams and. I guess the most notable thing uh, from Bosa's perspective, I mean, okay, let, let's let's start from the beginning, though. It seems like from everything we gather that Nick Bosa or Queen and Williams is going to be the pick. I walked out of that room thinking that um, Bosa and Williams are are at a tier above sort of everybody else, just given the, the subtleties in which John Lynch talked about. I mean, he talked about upper echelon players in this draft, but he didn't mention either of them specifically. So I, I think I sort of came away with it came away from it thinking that the Niners were going to end up with one of those two guys and that it sounds like they would love to take Queen Williams if Bosa were off the board at one Uh, reading John Lynch's quotes Kyle what what did you come away with uh, from yesterday
2: yeah kind of kind of what you said it's it's really clear that the Niners have a draft board that probably looks a lot like everybody else's like it's Bosa Williams is one a one b and then kind of a significant gap, and then everybody else, given the 49ers' needs. Um, I think when you look at, at um, Devin White, the linebacker from LSU, I think he might be up there. I think he's going to be a really good player. You get uh, offensive linemen like Jonah Williams from Alabama. Uh, he, he looks like one of those players you can plug in and start for 15 years. But the Niners don't really need... Uh, anybody anybody at either of those positions, at least not this year in the first round. So uh, I think it's it's very clearly Williams and Bosa based on what Lynch said. Um, and I don't think they feel like they can really miss uh, with either of those two guys. It also sounds like, and again, smokescreens and taking everything with a grain of salt this time of year, but it also sounds like they may not be trying too hard to trade back. Um it, it's gonna take maybe somebody calling them and giving them a really good offer to move off the number two spot.
1: Yeah, that was the next thing I was gonna say. John Lynch said, um, you know, he, here's a here's a quote that that I highlighted. He said, quote, we're we're also prepared that if something came to us that was too good to be true, players that we've graded the entire draft, but players that we would be comfortable taking in the middle of the round at 10 or wherever, we've done our due diligence there as well. That the thing that stood out to me was too good to be true. Right. It didn't him saying it. it, We will move back for a package that is too good to be true, indicates to me that they're not actively looking to move back, that they're very content picking it too, whether or not it's going to be Bosa or Queen and Williams. So I I think the the Niners would prefer Bosa just because of the way the roster is constructed. But the way Lynch talked about Queen and Williams, he said last year, his college season was was maybe the best single season from a college player he's ever seen. Uh, He said he thinks that the 49ers would have no problem in giving out the appropriate playing time to Williams, just given the fact that even though that they have so many other defensive tackles with DeForest Buckner and Solomon Thomas and Eric Armstead and other guys. Um, So it's really a question of, you know, who's going to be available And if it's if both Nick Bosa and Queen and Williams are available, I do think it's going to be Bosa. But if Bosa does happen to go first, then I think the Niners would be fine taking Williams and wouldn't necessarily be as eager to trade back as maybe we would have thought a few a few months ago.
2: Yeah, it felt it felt even even as recently as a few weeks ago that the Niners were like Nick Bosa or were out of number two. We'll take anything. Just kind of what what Kyle Shanahan and Jed York and and John Lynch had all said at the owners meetings and and even prior to that, that, you know, they were they were open to a trade and they were they were going to take calls. But I think now we talked a little bit about this off off there, but I think now it would take like something crazy, like the Giants offering both their first round picks or right. the Raiders offering two of their first round picks. Um, and, and something else, it just, it it really feels like it's going to take a godfather offer to move them off that spot, whether it's Kyler Murray that goes first or Williams or Bosa or, or whoever. Uh, and that's, that's kind of been my thought all along is they got pretty lucky to fall into the number two pick this year with, with a roster that's not bad enough to, to earn a number two pick. Like they got super lucky and not using that pick to get a super high end player seems seems like an overthink to me. So yeah, I think I think they're in a pretty good spot.
1: Yeah, if they could get multiple first round picks to move down, like if the Raiders threw in one of their first round picks this year, next year to go from four to two, I think the 49ers would have to consider it the giant scenario you laid out. I think they would absolutely have to consider it because they do have a lot of needs and they're going to need, you know, they they might need a, a replacement for for Joe Staley as soon as next year. So if if it means taking Josh Allen at four and then getting, you know, Jonah Williams at 17 or something like that, uh, another tackle Andre Dillard or or somebody like that later in the first round, then that might be something that they seriously consider because otherwise they're looking at either paying a free agent tackle, huge amounts of money next year. We saw what Trent Brown got with the Raiders um, or investing another first round pick in the position like they did last year with Mike McGlinchey. So, presumably getting that chance to to take Joe Staley's successor this year just at the cost of moving down two spots and still coming away with somebody like Josh Allen could make a lot of sense so I think should we just roll right into this mock draft you want to do this yeah you want yeah let's take a break Kyle, as you know, life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At GetEthos.com, there are no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars. No hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken... Steps to protect your family, and in most cases, with ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress, getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to getethos.com. That's E T H O S. Getethos.com. Getethos.com. Okay, so it's mock draft time. We haven't done a mock draft on this podcast. Uh, like I said, we use the Draft Networks mock draft tool, which is fun to play around with. So we did their their predictive board um, simulator, which means you know the the players come off the board as the people at the Draft Network predict they might based on team needs and and things like that. So uh, we took players who were available. So you know, there's no there's you're not allowed to come at us on Twitter and say there's no way that guy's still around at 36. No, he was around. He was on the board, according to the simulation. So we picked him. So we (laughs) each picked four players. We're going to talk about all eight players total. Um, And why don't you start us off with your first round pick, uh, second overall, and your justification for taking him. Uh, So
2: the Draft Network simulator had Kyler Kyler Murray going number one. I snagged Nick Bosa at number two. It just he's he's the perfect combination of best player available and filling the Niners' top need. You can bookend him with D. Ford and having two potentially elite pass rushers on the outside to go along with DeForest Buckner inside. Like that is a that takes one of the worst pass rushes in the NFL and, and immediately makes it one of the best. And and that's at arguably the second most important position on the field. Having three guys who can get after the quarterback that efficiently is is really hard to pass up.
1: What do you think about all the noise surrounding Nick Bosa's social media habits? Because that's going to be something that we're going to have to talk about if he ends up with San Francisco.
2: What do, what do I personally think? Or what do I think the 49ers? Both. Think? Both. <laughs> why, why not? Uh, I'm personally not a huge fan. Uh, <laughs> I don't agree with, the, I mean, I don't agree with his, his viewpoints. Um, I, I think if, if the alleged posts or if the posts that he allegedly liked uh, on on Instagram are, are in fact true, then I have some serious questions about just him as kind of a, a person. Um, on the other hand, the 49ers are the ones picking, and I don't think they care. Uh, John Lynch, I said, I think yesterday, when asked about it, said they did all sorts of work on him as a teammate, and he thinks he's a great teammate. And so... Uh, it doesn't sound like the 49ers are very bothered by it. Um, I'm sure there'll be a conversation about it at some point, but they want somebody who's going to sack the quarterback. Like that's just, that's the way the NFL is. Like Kareem Hunt has a job. We just saw Frank Clark get traded and given a huge contract. Like these teams want you to be good on the field. Um, and that's, that's just it.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And and I think the interesting thing about it is we haven't heard any noise about bosa as a person right like we've heard about bosa's social media habits and what he's liked on instagram and things that he's tweeted tweeted in the past and things like that what we haven't heard is any one of his teammates or coaches come out and say we think this guy is a racist or has racist tendencies right like we've seen michael thomas come out and defend him and say he's the best player in the draft all that stuff um you hear his position coach at ohio state larry johnson talk about the relationship that they have larry johnson um, you know, is extremely close with Bosa and and he, along with other people in the Ohio State program, have indicated that I mean, ha- have not indicated there's any question about Bosa's, you know, off the field character or things like that. So, you know, social we, we live in a unique time, obviously, with social media and things like that. And, and I don't want to dismiss the, the seriousness of of maybe some of the things that he's done on social media, but we just don't really know. Um, you know, it's hard to say with 1000% certainty, what his motivations are, um, and where that stuff is coming from, or to put it frankly, like if he's even the one managing that account, right. Um, so I don't want to dismiss it altogether, uh, because I think it, it can be problematic, particularly if racism is involved, but when it comes to having conservative viewpoints, like there are a lot of conservatives in the 49ers locker room already. And a lot of them are prominent players. Um, so I don't think just ha- just just being on that side of the aisle really matters all that much but when it comes to you know possible racism um, I think that could be a problem but there hasn't been any real smoke to that fire in real life uh, in terms of you know people vouching for them and things like that so I think that's where the 49ers are coming from too and I think that's why they would be okay with it I mean it's it Just be prepared if the Niners take Nick Bosa because there are going to be a ton of these stories coming out of the draft um, and some serious questions just because the 49ers have been, you know, arguably one of, if not the most socially conscious franchises, whether it's, you know, the Colin Kaepernick stuff and and Jed York deciding to support him or all the work the team does with their community relations department, which, you know, really prioritizes marginalized communities um, and supporting them, um, obviously, you know, politically that's, that, that might be a little bit different than, than the way Nick Bosa leans, but we'll just have to see how that all shakes out, but I'm with you. I don't think the 49ers are concerned about it. So back to the mock draft, you took Nick Bosa it makes a lot of sense. I think he's clearly the odds on favorite to be the choice there. Assuming he doesn't go first overall. Um, I'm going to go with, for the sake of the exercise, I'm going to go with Queen and Williams, the, the defensive tackle from Alabama. We've talked about him a lot. It's a very polarizing decision. I'm of the mind that, I mean, a, a lot of people talk about Aaron Donald, right? That the biggest difference between Aaron Donald and Queenan Williams, in my, in my opinion, it comes down to a couple things. First, Aaron Donald was extremely productive at Pittsburgh for multiple years. It wasn't he wasn't just a one year wonder out of college. The production really spoke for itself, and then there was the athleticism. Aaron Donald was just a supreme athlete for his size, his movement skills, his, his explosion. Not to say that Queen and Williams isn't an elite athlete. Right. Williams certainly checked all the, all the boxes at the combine and, and everything leading up to the draft. He's athletic enough. There's no doubt about that. But he doesn't have that elite Aaron Donald athleticism, which I, I don't want to say it limits his ceiling because he's an extremely fundamentally sound player but I just, I'm out on the idea of comparing him to Aaron Donald. I think he could be a really good nose tackle for a long time in the league, but I do wonder, you know, how much he benefited from, um, you know, just going against college interior linemen. I know it was SEC. Um, I'm also curious as to why it only happened one year. I'm curious as to how much value we can really assign a guy who played nose tackle so much, but from everything I gather, people love this guy and, and they think he has a really high ceiling and could be an all-pro right away. And the 49ers could benefit hugely from having somebody like that in the middle next to DeForest Buckner. Um it may maybe having that combo in the middle just sort of unlocks the rest of the the defensive line and and uh allows D 4 to get going off the edge and and maybe someone like Solomon Thomas who would be more productive off the edge than we've seen because of all the attention getting devoted to the guys on the inside.
2: I just want to real
1: quick address the like
2: Aaron Donald comparisons. Don't do that. (laughs) Aaron Donald is he's a he's a mutant dude. Like there's there's a reason he is he is such an outlier at his position is because players like him don't just come along. And this is not to take away from Quentin Williams. He might be a dominant, very, very good player. But Aaron Donald is like an outside linebacker or defensive end playing inside and doing it well, right? Which is just unheard of. So it's okay if Quinnen Williams isn't Aaron Donald. Don't do that comparison anymore, right?
1: And and that's and, all. and we've talked, <laughs> yeah, and we've we've talked a lot about the long term future of of the position with with Queen and Williams. I do think drafting him would tie directly into what the 49ers could do with or without DeForest Buckner going forward. And and we've talked about it at length, but they don't necessarily, if they draft Williams, they don't necessarily have to give Buckner that 18 to 20 million per year contract, um, which would complicate things from a salary cap perspective. They could maybe trade Buckner for, you know, a package, including early, early round picks and and likely at least one first round pick. So you can make you you can make sense out of it long term. Eric Armstead isn't is a free agent after the coming season. Um, Solomon Thomas has two years remaining on his rookie contract. I think this time next year they're going to have to decide if they want to pick up his fifth year option. I don't know if that's going to happen. I would I would guess based on the first two years of his career, the Niners would not do that. But they've been incredibly friendly, player friendly before, so maybe they might. Either way, you can you could get Queen and Williams the necessary playing time this year and going forward you just have to be a little bit creative with it and be able to think outside the box but going forward without Eric Armstead possibly without Solomon Thomas you could you could make the case that Queen and Williams into Forrest Buckner even if you do want to pay Buckner uh, you can have those guys for the long haul so I went with Queen and Williams Um, I don't think it's as much of a slam dunk pick as Bosa would be but i mean he's just too good of a player to pass up if he's there and and i think there is a significant drop off from the top two defensive guys Boson williams to the rest of the class so i think the 49ers would be inclined to to pick williams at 2 unless they got a trade offer they couldn't refuse and and then all hell might break loose so who would you take uh, who would you take at early in round 2 number 36 overall
2: I took Nasir Adderley, the safety out of Delaware. He just seems like the type of safety prospect the 49ers are, are looking for to, to add into the mix uh, in their group of safeties who uh, don't have a really proven starter. I think Adderley can play probably either free safety or strong safety. Uh, they might even be able to drop him into the slot and play him at corner. Uh, he's athletic enough to cover running backs and tight ends. Like He can just kind of do everything. Uh, The 49ers got a good look at him at the, at the senior bowl. Um, Lance Zerline at NFL.com compares him to Jesse Bates, uh, rookie last year out of Wake Forest, a guy I really, really liked. And if Nasir Adderley is going to be a Jesse Bates type of player, I believe he's with the Bengals. um, Then he can come in and be a starter for the 49ers at either safety spot right away. And if they're going to go safety in round two, that's what they need. They, they they don't need somebody to come in and compete for a job. They need someone to come in and take that starting job. And if he can come in and do that at either free safety or strong safety, I think their secondary is better.
1: Yeah, and we, we've obviously talked about Jimmy Ward and and his injury issues and Adrian Colbert, who didn't play particularly well last year after his impressive ending to his rookie season. I, I'm totally with you in that I think the Niners need to to inject a potential starter into that mix because you're sort of playing with fire if, if you're heading into the year with those two guys as your top two, and, and the 49ers did that last year. Uh, I will say John Lynch said yesterday when asked about the safety group, he, he th- he's higher on the, the team's safeties than it seems like the outside world is. So I don't know if that's him hedging or if that's him smoke screening or whatever, um, but it might be that, you know, the Niners I know the Niners love Jimmy Ward and we've talked about that too. Uh, when he's healthy, they love Jimmy Ward. They love everything he brings. Um, but I'm in, I think we're in agreement in that you can't count on Jimmy Ward to start 16 games and then to have Adrian Colbert as your backup or your insurance policy, I, I think could also be shaky just given what we saw from him last year too. And the fact he was a seventh round draft pick as a cornerback, uh, they brought him in to play special teams. So asking him to be the the starter three years into his career I think is a tricky situation the Niners might be more optimistic than we are but Adderley I think at 36 if he makes it there there's some first round buzz with him um, I think it would make a ton of sense so round 30 round two 36 overall I went with Adre Brown the the other receiver out of Mississippi um, there's a there's been a, a decent amount of first round buzz with him as well but there's a lot of a lot of people think the depth of this receiving class in the second and third rounds, maybe even the fourth round, could allow someone like Brown maybe to slide because teams won't feel the urgency to to take him in round one. Uh, in, in terms of how Brown fits with the 49ers, I think he's sort of the perfect Z receiver to replace Pierre Garçon. I know we've talked a lot about Debo Samuel for the similar reasons, but I think Brown is just He just seems like a guy who gets it Uh, when you talk to when you talk about work ethic, when you talk about attitude, uh, toughness, physicality, the production. um, He basically has like all of the receiving records at Mississippi, which is a pretty good program uh, in a pretty good conference. Uh, I don't know if you heard that the SEC is, is highly regarded in the college football world.
2: Nah, that, that's um, your
1: opinion. Said, in 2017, he had 75 catches for 1,252 yards and 11 touchdowns. He backed that up with 85 catches, 1,320 yards, and six touchdowns this last year. Um, physically, 449 uh, at 226 pounds is pretty impressive. Um, for, uh, I, I mean, I, I just think in terms of his route running, his physicality, his willingness to go over the middle. Um, he can play outside or inside, which is what Kyle Shanahan wants from his receivers. I just think he would be a really good pick for them. Uh, so I went with him at 36, and I would expect him and Dante Pettis uh, to really sort of be those guys that the 49ers are going to build around at their receiving core going forward. And and obviously, receiver is a huge need, and I expect them to, to address it in day two.
2: Yeah, and if, if A.J. Brown is there... I think all bets are off with uh, a safety. I think they just they run to the podium to take Brown. I I think he's not I think he's, that, I think yeah, he's there kind of there are
1: prospect. other safeties and there are other safeties yeah. too, which uh, which yeah. we'll talk about. So who'd you take uh, who'd you get get in the third round?
2: In the third round, I went with a receiver, a guy I like that you don't <laughs> uh, Kelvin Harmon <laughs> out of North Carolina State. Um, I think he just really fits what, what the Niners like, uh, with their receivers. And I think he would be like a perfect Z receiver. He's 6'2, 221. Uh, he, he ran a four, six, not super fast, but he's really, really good at getting open. Um, really clean route runner. And then he's good after the catch as well. Um, he's like I said, not a super explosive athlete on paper, but when you watch him, he is a ton of fun to watch and somebody who I just kind of, he was just a player I was drawn to when I started watching receivers. And I, I, I can't quite put my finger on it. I just really like Kelvin Harmon's game. And the fact that he was as productive as he was uh, without the big testing numbers it tells me something uh, even a little more, I think, about his ability to use his body uh, to make contested catches and then his ability to create a little bit of separation as well. So I like him in the third round.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree with uh, I agree with your logic there. I just don't know. I mean, I I haven't I haven't really broken him down. I just what, what little I know about him is he the the questions about him and how he would fit with the 49ers involve, you know, separation and route running, right? Those are always the things that Kyle Shanahan looks for. So those are the things we have to talk about with 49ers receivers, and I'm just not sure Harmon's gonna fit but I do like him as a prospect. And I think when you talk about contested catches and potentially, you know, red zone targets, I think he could be somebody the 49ers are absolutely interested in because they were so bad in the red zone last year. Um, So in round three, I went with Darnell Savage, the safety from Maryland. And yes, I know a lot of people are going to say no way he lasts till round three. Well, he was there on the board. So I picked him. Um, Smart. Yep. Uh, another guy, you mentioned Asir Adderley, uh, and and we talked about the 49ers need for a safety a little bit smaller than Adderley, uh, maybe not as fine tuned and refined, but somebody who just plays fearless, uh, plays with a ton of physicality, is a good tackler in the running game. John Lynch called the position, the, the free safety spot, the eraser and somebody who is a good tackler is, is needed back there. So, and you know, it's a single high scheme. So you're really the last line of defense. So you need to be able to wrap up and, and, and bring guys down. And I think Darnell Savage could do that. Whether or not he lasts to round three, obviously is a big question mark. Um, I think he's probably more likely available at 36. I know pro football focus loves him as a first round pick. Um, but if he's there at 67 um, after getting AJ Brown at, at 36, uh, I think it would, it would make a ton of sense. And he would come in and, and probably start right away, or at least be in the mix to start right away. And if not, he would probably be the team's best special teams player, which has value too. Um, so I think Savage round three, pretty self-explanatory given what the 49ers need on the back end of that secondary. Um, and I think it would be a good value at this point.
2: That's. I was gonna go draft buzzword there. Great value pick, Chris, with Darnell Savage. <laughs> drafting value with need round. is the
1: key to drafting, Kyle. Yeah, it is. <sighs> Big football guys. I uh, love A. love
2: football. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who'd you go with uh, uh, in round
2: can, four here? Hey, you know what else I like? Yeah. Uh, I'll, you know what? I'll, I'll say save, I'll save it for for your pick because it's gonna work. Perfect. Okay, good. Uh, I I took I took Riley Ridley wide receiver out of Georgia. He's available in round 4. So back-to-back receivers. You've mentioned that you think the Niners go with two receivers in this draft. And I think if if they do that and they wind up with Harmon and Ridley, that's a pretty good duo to add to what they already have. Ridley is another guy like Harmon who not a great athlete, not super fast, but just a very precise technical route runner, finds ways to get open. And I haven't done a ton of tape work on this, so I'm going <laughs> to grinded a ton of tape on him, but I'm going to go with with some other, some other folks who say that there were a ton of times he was wide open and just didn't get the ball. And so if that's the case, I think that's something that Kyle Shanahan will see and will utilize and find ways to get him the ball. And receivers who get open and catch passes That somehow continually gets overlooked in the NFL. Uh, Those are the two most important aspects of receiving and yet height, weight, speed are always the three things uh, we tend to look at when evaluating receivers. So Riley Ridley is, is uh, I think he does those two things really well. And I think he'll be a really solid NFL receiver that the Niners can pick up in the fourth.
1: Yeah. A lot of people think he's going to be better in the NFL than he was at college for the reasons that you mentioned. Um, I, I did a little bit of a dive on him and found that there, there are a lot of people who think that, I mean, in a different system with a different quarterback, he would have gotten a lot more than the the 44 catches and 570 yards he had in 2018. But he did score nine touchdowns. Nine touchdowns on 44 catches is pretty good. Um, not an elite athlete. Like you said, he does have big hands, 10 and a quarter inch hands. Um, obviously, that means he's going to be a surefire superstar. Um, that's a joke because we joke about Mm -hmm. big hands, but, um, yeah, not an elite athlete, 30 inch vertical jump, but just uh, a lot of people think he's the best route runner in this class. And he might be a Kyle Shanahan type of receiver. And in round four, I think that would make a ton of sense. Good pick. Yeah. Thanks. Um, I went with another receiver because as you said, I think the 49ers are going to come out of this draft with two receivers. Um, because I'm not convinced they're comfortable with relying on Marquise Goodwin to be a central part of their team going forward. I think they would love to add another speedy downfield threat. So the offense doesn't completely stall out when Goodwin isn't around to stretch the field. And we saw that last year, starting in week one, uh, the offense was really in flux because Goodwin had that calf contusion or sorry, the quad contusion um, after getting dump trucked by a defensive tackle running over the middle. Um, I don't know if you saw that play, but Goodwin like flipped in the air. It was, it was legitimately like he yeah, got hit by a car. the thigh. Yeah. 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 It was wild. Um, So I, I know we've said it before. Other people said it before Goodwin's kind of like a, a sports car in that if, if the tiniest little thing is wrong, he will, he, he just won't be nearly as productive And the 49ers really needed him the last couple years to be productive just because of that game breaking speed that he has. So speaking of speed, uh, I went with Miles Boykin in the fourth round. Uh, fourth round, easy for me to say. The receiver from Notre Dame. Um, I'm pulling up his mock draftable page because his spider graph is really, really impressive. So stick
2: a big spider graph big guy, spider guy. Graph a noted guy. spider graph
1: enthusiast. Um, yeah, big hands enthusiast too. Uh, so Boykin six three and three quarters, two hundred and twenty pounds. He ran a four four two thirty. Uh, what's really crazy is he jumped 43 and a half inches in the vertical and 140 inches in the broad jump those are in the 98th and 99th percentile respectively Um, a 6.77 in the three cone which is very important for a Kyle Shanahan receiver when you just talk about measurables in terms of you know height weight speed um, arm length uh, production I, I just think He could be a a really good player with with sort of untapped potential. Uh, One thing that I know people are knocking him for and the reason why he might be available in the fourth round is because he's not great with the ball in his hand. And I think Kyle Shanahan loves guys who are great after the catch. And and just given his ability to get receivers open in space and set them up to make plays after the catch, I think that might be why people – Uh, question his fit with San Francisco but uh, 59 catches 872 yards last year eight touchdowns obviously the 49ers are going to have a little bit of knowledge given that they drafted Mike McGlinchey last year so he could probably he could probably help them but just in terms of somebody who could replace Marquise Goodwin as that downfield speed threat who maybe could double as as a potent red zone option given his height and his ability to jump out of the stadium Um, I I think he would be a great, a great pick in round four for all those reasons. Um, and, and I think, you know, maybe somebody like him in a different receiving class would go in the second round, uh, just given all those things we've talked about, but, uh, because this is such a deep receiving class, I have the 49ers taking him at one Oh four in the fourth round.
2: Love his upside. Good upside pick. (laughs) Lots of upside. Ton of upside with miles Boykin. 43 and a half inches in the vertical.
1: That's insane That's bananas.
2: Right. Right. Because, it, because at some level, like we, we talk all the time about how Shanahan likes these, likes these receivers who are, you know, technical route runners and good after the catch and maybe not the most explosive athletes, but on some level, like just adding guys who are fast and jump high and big works. Right. Yeah.
1: It's what the chiefs it's did.
2: Perfect. It's exactly what the chiefs did. And I think that, eventually you add enough athletes and you find a couple that develop into good football players. And then you have a really good combination of a guy who's big and fast and jumps high and can also kill teams on slants. Like that's right. That's where, that's where I hesitate a little bit when I'm, when we look at receivers in this class and there's so many that seem to fit that Shanahan mold, but then there's a guy like miles Boykin or a guy like Jalen Hurd, who's still super raw because he used to be a, a running back. But it's like, hey, this guy's 6'5", 220-something, and he can outrun everybody on the field. And it's like, that's right. a guy you just kind of want on your roster, just in case. Like, keep him around for two or three years, and if he never develops, fine. But, yeah, I I, I really like the idea of Miles Boykin in San Francisco. You got a good coaching staff and a really good offense to that will scheme him open, and you get a guy like that running down the sideline by himself, uh, not a lot of guys are going to catch him.
1: Yeah. So in this scenario, I mean, you long term, you have, you know, the building blocks at receiver, at least from my mock draft. So you have A.J. Brown, Dante Pettis, Miles Boykin, uh, Trent Taylor, and you could fill in the rest after that. And I think that's a really good mix of speed and athleticism. Whether or not you include Marquise Goodwin in that long term, I guess, remains to be seen. I don't know how much playing time goodwin would get if he's not starting and he's not contributing on special teams but um i just think it, it would be good for the 49ers to insulate themselves from from goodwin's durability issues uh and so at some point i mean he has 2 years left on his contract at some point you need to to think about life after after goodwin and maybe now is a time just given the depth of this receiver class to take advantage of of somebody like boykin just given all those physical traits that we've talked about yeah um, do we want to go through? Uh, we we have a, a list of needs. Um, actually, why don't we why don't we recount the the, the draft? So you went with uh, you went with Nick Bosa in round one, Nasir Adderley in round two, Kelvin Harmon in round three, and Riley Ridley in round four. So you went back to back receivers. Um, yep. I went Queen and Williams in in round one, AJ Brown in round two, Darnell Savage in round three, and Miles Boykin in round four. Uh, let us know on Twitter, who do you think has the better mock draft? I'm going to guess people say Kyle because Kyle went with Bosa. Um, and Yeah, I cheated. <laughs> I think, well, yeah, I mean, I, I more or less went with Williams because um, just for the sake of the exercise, so we can compare and contrast those two. Um, but we do have needs that that we should probably talk about, and I sort of put them in tears in the rundown. I don't know if you want to riff on this with me. Um, sure. Sure. Top needs, I listed defensive end, receiver, free safety, and cornerback. Neither of us uh, added a cornerback in our four-round mocks, and maybe the 49ers do that later in the draft, um, just given that they have Akella Witherspoon and Tavares Moore already there. But they're going to have to figure out, and Jason Verrett, but they're going to have to figure out uh, life, life without Richard Sherman coming up here pretty shortly. So it wouldn't surprise me if they, if they took a cornerback maybe as early as the second round um yeah
2: well when we were when we were doing our mock Lonnie Johnson from Kentucky was sitting there in the second round and I very very much considered uh taking him with that second round pick
1: and it was notable too because I asked John Lynch about cornerback yesterday and he said that's really a position that you want to add to every season um so he did mention Jason Verrett and adding him and how important they think he could be if he stays healthy and obviously that's an enormous if um but it signals to me how the 49ers value the position and that Verrett might not be enough in terms of, you know, a premium, a premium talent added to that position. So maybe, maybe cornerbacks, the, the position we're missing uh, in terms of, you know, if the 49ers do trade back, maybe they go corner in round one, which hasn't really been something we've all talked, We've all been talking about, um, but I can certainly see it happening. Sure. Okay. So secondary needs uh, offensive line, I mean, I think they could use a backup center or uh, depth along the interior behind Mike Person and Lakin Tomlinson. Um, but really, I think they they have to think about the future at tackle with Joe Staley not committing to playing beyond this year. If I had to guess, uh, I think Staley's got two more years left in him. So maybe this isn't something they have to do right now. And I'm sure people in the building have a better feel for it than I do. But If it's only one year left for Staley, then it wouldn't be a bad idea to maybe draft a tackle early on now. Um, So you get a head start on that on that development. And maybe that leads to, you know, that guy playing guard, maybe he's a more talented player than Mike Person, for example, who could be your backup center in depth along the interior. So yeah, I I think offensive line, also linebacker, uh, specifically Sam linebacker, we haven't talked about that position very much. The Have Malcolm Smith there and Mark and Zatcha. It's not a position that they value all that much because if they do draft Nick Bosa, they're going to have defensive ends. I think there's more value in the position um, if that player can rush the passer. And I think the 49ers aren't going to use Malcolm Smith as a pass rusher. If they were to draft Josh Allen, I could see them playing him at Sam and rushing the passer um, because he's just such a versatile athlete. But I, I think I wouldn't be surprised at all if in the later rounds. They get a a linebacker who, you know, can play along the line of scrimmage and cover tight ends and be that kind of big physical edge setter that they might need in base downs with, you know, after Malcolm Smith.
2: Yeah, that's that's such a that's I don't want to say not not useless, but it's but it's a, a position where, like you said, ideally, there'll be there's somebody who just kind of like fills in at that spot like they don't have a Sam linebacker who only plays Sam linebacker because right. it's how often are teams and especially now and and especially the way the league's evolving uh, the the use for that position is not as as high as it might have been even 4 or 5 years ago.
1: Yeah, it's it's a position that for the 49ers at least these last couple of years comes off the field when they when they go to nickel packages which they use, you know, 70% of the time or so. Right. So so that's um,
2: so so N'Zacha and and Malcolm Smith aren't guys you want starting full-time, but they can play 20 snaps a game between the two of them.
1: Yeah, and if they could find somebody maybe in round five or later who can rush the passer and also play linebacker. like So the 49ers run a 4-3 by definition, but really the way it aligns is more like a 3-4. So a Sam linebacker is essentially the same as an outside linebacker in a 3-4. Um, they're asked to set the edge and you know cover the flats at times and match up with tight ends and running backs and things like that. Um, so they, if, if they could get a a true three, four outside linebacker, somebody who can do a little bit of both and rush the passer, I think that would make sense because Malcolm Smith is really only a base down guy who's going to set the edge in the running game and not provide much as a pass rusher. So I think that's a secondary need. Um, the last tier, uh, I'm going to actually going to add to this too, uh, is ancillary need. So we have, we have primary, secondary, and ancillary. Uh, I think they could use a tight end. Garrett Selleck's entering the last year of his contract. Um, obviously a blocking tight end. I think he only had like six catches or something like that last year. Uh, Selleck's a very well-respected player in the locker room and and a great guy to talk to, but I think the 49ers might start thinking about the future of the position. And wouldn't surprise me at all if they used a mid or late round pick on a tight end. Yeah. Um, they could use another stack linebacker. I know they like Elijah Lee, but behind Quan Alexander and, uh, and Fred Warner, they, I mean, they have David Mayo, who I didn't mention uh, coming out of that, that hit we had today on your radio show. I, I completely forgot about David Mayo and I was kicking myself all morning. Um, I think they could use some depth there. And then also at nose tackle and, you know, depending whether or not they draft Queen and Williams, I think he would be the nose tackle in base. Um, but losing um, Earl Mitchell and not bringing him back, they do have a need at nose tackle because DJ Jones is really the only guy they have right now. Um, I don't know if Sheldon Day could really be a reliable, you know, base down run plugging nose tackle. I think he's more of a pass rushing defensive tackle, but um, your thoughts on my tears and anything you want to add? Uh, My thoughts on your tears? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No, I think. (laughs) My tiered needs.
2: I think this is this is probably exactly right. It, it it wouldn't surprise me if maybe you bumped up tight end up to secondary needs because exactly what you said about Garrett Selleck. and I think there's value in having a second tight end who is who is uh athletic who can make plays after after the catch. Maybe he's not a great blocker but um just another versatile player like like George Kittle almost the functions almost a little bit like Kyle Juszczyk I think just having more players who can be lined up in different spots is something that that benefits the Niners a lot and something that Kyle Shanahan uh would really take advantage of having a two tight end set that you could pass out of effectively and run out of effectively is is something that their offense could really thrive on so I think you could probably bump up tight end to a secondary need, um, but but no, I think I think
1: everywhere else you're you're probably pretty spot on. And I think it is a good point on your part that when I think of a second tight end, I think of what they're what the uh, Patriots typically like to do, and they do a lot of shifting near the goal line. Right? They'll they'll have Rob Gronkowski or had Rob Gronkowski uh, line up in line with his hand in the dirt and then they'll just motion him out and they'll match him up with a, with a cornerback or a linebacker and he'll just jump over him and and he's just a crazy good red zone threat and obviously the 49ers have not been good in the red zone so maybe getting another guy even if he's not some you know top level talent but maybe a guy who's just tall uh, who is a good pass catcher in college like you said maybe not the the best run blocker but if you have somebody that can create mismatch problems near the goal line, I think that could be hugely beneficial f- for the 49ers because so many people are going to hone in on Kittle. Um, and he's, I expect Kittle to be the most, one of the most doubled players in the NFL next year. So I think that's also one of the reasons why we've talked about receivers so much. Um, but yeah, I think that's a good point on your part. Is there anything else? Anything else you want to throw in there before before the draft on Thursday? Can you believe it's actually two days away? I know
2: it's it's so close. I think I, I I'm sticking by them trading up into the back of the first round. If we okay. can get like the Packers, for example, have two first round picks and they pick 30th. That's our second that's our second selection in a in a trade with the the Saints. Mm-hmm. I can see the Niners targeting that and and getting decent value for it to move up six spots, but then it wouldn't surprise me to see then in the third round if they then move back to try and recoup some of those picks, and and uh, and yeah, I I just I, I really expect the Niners to pick twice in the first round and uh, okay. address edge and then either receiver or safety depending on on who
1: they like. I'm actually gonna I'm gonna disagree with you because uh, everything. Mm-hmm. E- everything I gather is that this, the the meat of this draft is rounds two through round four. Um, And so with just three picks in those rounds, I could see the 49ers actually moving down from 36 and maybe they try to get additional second or third round selections. And because there are so many receivers and potentially safeties in this class, a bunch of guys we did not talk about maybe like Virginia's Juan Thornhill, who could be a back end of the second round guy, or early in the third, or you know, Andy Isabella uh, at receiver. I think I just think there are a ton of guys who would make sense for the 49ers in those spots. So I think moving back from 36 to get extra th- second and third or fourth round picks also makes sense. But I but I do think the 49ers certainly like the idea of moving back in around one from a financial standpoint, because you do get the fifth year option. Right. And presumably, I mean, you could, if they did move back up in around one, which they did in 2016 and 2017, they could get the receiver of their choosing um, which might give them a little bit of peace of mind rather than waiting to 36 to see if somebody like AJ Brown or D uh, Debo Samuel or, you know, Nikhil Harry, um, Hakeem Butler, somebody like that. Uh, I, 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 I i could see him doing it but i think just given the way the class is shaking out i think they're more likely to trade back from 36 but we'll have to see uh and so next time we we'll, we talk to you guys the 49ers will have made their first round pick we i think we plan on doing another podcast late thursday night um after the pick is made and we will have uh we we will have all that analysis for you guys uh so i think we'll wrap it up Thank you guys for listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we'll talk to you guys later this week.